This podcast is a production of Journey, a church community inspiring people to live big. For more information, please visit cincyjourney.org. Well, good morning. Uh, My name again is Joe Merrick. We are thrilled that you are here with us this morning. want to take just a couple of moments and uh, encourage everybody to reach into the seat back in front of them. There you're going to find one of those Connect cards. It looks something like this. Nope. Looks something like this. Uh, the Connect card is just a really valuable piece of information for us. It lets us know, yes, that you are here, but also uh, there are prayer requests you can put in there. Uh, maybe you've made some kind of decision. You want to volunteer in some area. We would love to have one of these from every family gathered here. Uh, you can fill that out this morning, and then as the ushers, ushers are coming forward to take our offering uh, uh, at the end of our service, you can drop it in the offering bag uh, at the end there today. With that shared, let me just take a moment and pray for us, and then we'll jump right in. Lord God, we are so thankful for this day, so thankful for uh, those who have gathered here and for the moments we've had just to praise your name. That's one of the things you call us to do as your church, as your people. You call us to come and praise you, give you the honor you are due. I am thankful to be a part of that this morning. God, in these next couple of moments as we open up your word and we think about um, what you have for us to hear today, God, I pray that we can push away some of the uh, agendas, push away some of the to-do lists, all the things that maybe distract us and help us to focus in on you, on who you are in what you want us to do to follow you better this week. In your name we pray, amen. Well, I hope you that you've had a great uh, Christmas. I know I really enjoyed uh, getting uh, together with everyone and the Christmas uh, pageant that was spontaneous last week. The kids did a great job. It was a lot of fun to see them come up and participate in the telling of the Christmas story. And so I hope you had a good Christmas as well. We have just one more week this week in our um, our December series from the first chapter of the book of John. And one of the things that you would notice if you, if you were reading that book or maybe you have noticed in the last couple of weeks is John loves these two words. He loves to talk about light and darkness. He loves to bring that contrast out in front of us, and especially here in the first chapter of the book of John, what he is doing is he wants us to see that Jesus is the light coming into our dark world, and that is a perfect picture of what Christmas really is. Jesus coming into our dark world. So our series is called The Light Has Come. The Light Has Come because 
Jesus, when he comes to earth, is the greatest gift ever given. He's the greatest gift ever giving, given the world, the light of the world, bringing us salvation. That's what Christmas is about. The other thing that um, the light of the world brings us is rest. The light of the world brings us rest. In fact, the big idea of what I'm going to be sharing today is this. If life, if uh, maybe the last couple of weeks, Christmas, all of the busyness has you down, has you tired, the Bible says there is one place to go. One place to go, and that is to God. That God is the one who gives real rest real rest. In fact, one of uh, uh, the most encouraging verses I find in Scripture is Matthew eleven twenty eight, where Jesus says, come to me, come to me all who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Most of us, uh, we love Christmas we love the presents, we love the shopping, we love the get-togethers, we love the Christmas songs, uh, we love celebrating the birth of Jesus, we love it all. But when we pile all of that up into a couple of weeks, sometimes can leave us a little tired on the other end, can leave us kind of depleted. Here are some statistics from Great Britain. I don't know. They seem to track everything over there, so they always have really good statistics. I think we can kind of assume that some of those trends apply to us today, but here is some uh, statistics on the month of December on Christmas. A study reveals this, that not only is the month of December the most, one of the most stressful times of the year, they say it's also one of the most dangerous. Almost 20% of people find the experience of hosting guests, of preparing Christmas meals and parties, completely overwhelming. That's how they would describe it, They'd, as completely overwhelming. A third of women feel more stressed throughout December than any other month of the year. 3% of people suffer an electric shock due to a badly wired Christmas tree. Right? I don't know. Uh, 2.6 million people have fallen while hanging up decorations. And it says a mammoth 700,000 people had been injured in a sales rush trying to get the bargain at the store for Christmas. It's crazy, right? I mean, uh, it's no wonder that the hurry and the busyness and some of the chaos and the craziness leaves us feeling sometimes a little depleted, a little tired by the time we get to the end. For others of us, the Christmas season is tiring because it's the time of the year we feel the pain of the one who isn't with us anymore, who we wish we could celebrate with once more. For others still, the, uh, the busyness of the season, the pain of a lost loved one, that's not what brings the tiredness. Uh, sometimes in the Christmas season, we feel this extra pressure 
to perform, to perform, to be good, to create meaningful, even spiritual experiences for those around us. In the face of all of these feelings, in the face of all of these feelings of of depletion, of maybe even spiritual tiredness, we need to hear what Jesus says a little later in the book of John in John 10, 10. I have come. I've come that you might have life and have it to its fullest. Have it to its fullest. Jesus did not come into the world to weigh us down, to add to our to-do list, to work us, to burden us. He came to relieve to relieve those heavy burdens, to uh, make a way of salvation in the best possible life for you and me. Now that we kind of understand the challenge that we face, that that sometimes in the busyness of the Christmas season, uh, we get tired and depleted and worn down. And we understand Jesus' intention Coming to this world wasn't to add to some burden on us. It wasn't to tire us out, to work us, but to bring us the fullness of life. Now that we kind of see the tension of those two things, let's turn to John chapter 1, verses 14 through 17. John chapter 1, verses 14 through 17 this morning. So the Word became human and made His home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen His glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. John testified about Him when he shouted to the crowds, This is the one I was talking about when I said, Someone is coming after me who is greater than I am, for He existed Long before me. That's John the Baptist. From his abundance, we have all received one gracious blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness has come through Jesus Christ. What I want to do for us this morning is just real quickly break those verses down. This whole section... These uh, three verses here, really, uh, so much of the uh, first chapter is all about this. Uh, But this one thing, God becoming flesh. God becoming flesh, Christ coming to us, to our world. And then what happens is John, three times, he provides three proofs. Three proofs to say this is why we know this has happened. Why we know God has become flesh, he's come to us. Just real quickly here this morning, verse uh, 14, we see uh, that Christ dwelt visibly among us. People saw his glory. That's what it's saying there. His power, his wonder were noticed by shepherds, by foreign kings, by God himself who said, this is my son and who, of whom I'm well pleased by everyone who witnessed one of his many miracles. 
verse 14 goes on to speak of how Jesus was full of grace and truth. Grace and truth. In other words, when he spoke, he spoke with wisdom that seemed beyond anything anyone had heard before. He spoke to people not to uh, promote guilt and judgment, but to make a bridge, a bridge between God and us. They'd never seen that. They'd never heard that before. They visibly saw God. He says, that's the first proof. The second is this John the Baptist. We see this in verse 15. John the Baptist, this this man who is this beloved religious figure that is uh, respected by all the people who kind of is working outside of the normal religious systems who God has used to do mighty, mighty things, looks at Jesus and says, this is the one. This is the one we've been waiting for. This is the Messiah. This is the one. I've been preparing a way for. We see that in verse 15. And finally, in verses 16 and 17, the third proof. And this is the one I really want to focus on. People have received God's fullness and grace through Jesus. In other words, their lives, their hearts have changed They've been around him. They've heard him speak. They've been touched by him, and their lives are different because of it. This is the most surprising proof, especially to uh, Jesus' original audience, because what gets pointed out here in verse 17 is that fullness and grace is not received by the way they thought it was going to come, following the perfect set of rules. That's how they thought grace and fullness was going to come. They were going to finally figure out that perfect set of rules that allowed them to work and live with God in harmony. But it didn't happen that way. Verse 17 closes with the fact that this fullness of life and grace comes through Jesus. Not through this list of rules. It comes through Jesus alone. What's happening here is that John is being very careful. He's being very careful to point out that we don't gain faith, we don't gain joy, we don't gain salvation, we don't gain rest by our own efforts, by our own work. It comes through Jesus. That's what he wants you and me to understand here in these first few verses. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 picks this up for us. It says this, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, the gift of Christmas, the gift of the cross, not a result of our works so that no one may boast. In other words, so that nobody can say, I did it on my own. I did it my way. There's no magic set of rules to follow, no impossible list of to-dos to accomplish. Fullness, grace, life, rest 
comes to your soul through Jesus and through him alone. Jesus talks about this himself in Matthew chapter 11. We read uh, one of these verses, this first verse earlier. I want to read it, it again in then verse 29 and 30. Listen to Jesus' words about rest, about how you and I find rest. He says this, Then Jesus said to them, Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. It's easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Several keys here in this verse. The the first is right in the beginning. Jesus says, come to me. Come to me. These are the words of a father who sees his children struggling, and he wants to help. He wants to help. Come to me. Let me help you. You're making this way too hard. Let me show you the way. It's not a plea of discouragement, not a plea of judgment. It's a plea asking, let me help you. Come to me when you're tired, when you're tired of trying to make it on your own. Come to me when you've made a mess of life. Next in verse 29 and 30. We get lots of talk about a yoke. If you don't know what, what a yoke is, it's this uh, wooden kind of uh, contraption tool that is put around a, a, a bull, uh, an ox, so that a field could be plowed. Often tied a couple of animals together and then to the plow. And if we lived in this kind of agricultural world, we'd not only understand that, but we would understand that it was common to train a new animal alongside an old one. An old animal, one that uh, was your best, your best behavior, strongest. And the new animal would pull just a fraction of the weight, but he would learn as he walked alongside the best behaved Jesus is saying, I'll pull the weight. You just learn from me. I'll do the work. You learn from me. That's why my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. The picture that um, Jesus is kind of putting into our imaginations is something like this. Imagine you're a young farmer in Jesus' day. You don't know a whole lot. You don't have a whole lot of money. And so you go and you buy this young oxen. You take it home and you're all excited because you're finally going to uh, plant your own field. And you, you, uh, you put the, the plow on the ox. You tell him to go and he just turns around and looks at you. Trying to make him go. Right, and he goes left. 
your kind of straight rows, right? They, they look like zigzags as they go along. Nothing is going your way. The, the heat of the day is coming up now. You're getting frustrated. The neighbors have gathered around, and they're all kind of chuckling and laughing because nothing's going right for you. And then finally, an old farmer walks up with his old oxen who's well-behaved, and he he ties, he yokes his oxen to yours. And in minutes, perfectly straight lines, perfectly straight rows, and you're in disbelief. And the old farmer says, just give them a couple of weeks together, and soon your oxen will be as well-behaved and as steady as mine. What seemed impossible on your own, uh, what you were pulling your hair out with, what you were exhausted by, all of a sudden is easy. That's the restful picture of life Jesus is drawing for us. He's saying it's possible for us in faith. Today, as we think about finding rest in God, I don't want to just think and talk about oxen and and how it worked uh, in Jesus' day. Let's talk about a few things we can do today. Here are five. This isn't an exhaustive list, but it's kind of a start. Five ways to find rest, real rest. First is this. Rest begins with honesty. In Matthew eleven twenty eight, Jesus doesn't say, hey, come to me, all you who have most of life figured out, and I'll give you the last uh, 10%. Jesus says, come to me, you who are at your wit's end. You who have tried and failed and tried and failed, you come to me. You who are ready to give up, you come to me, and I'll make your burden light. We have to be honest about where we are if we're going to find rest in God. Second thing, rest isn't about stopping nearly as much as it it is about finding our true selves. We usually think about rest as as stopping, and sometimes that's part of it, but it's not as much about that as it is finding our true selves. Author Brennan Manning says this. He says, we need to identify ourselves as one radically loved by God before anything else, before any other description of ourselves we take on, we need to understand that we are radically loved by God just the way we are. That Jesus came to this earth for us, that he died on a cross for us, that he loves us that much. The world loves to label us, 
loves to label us by our past, loves to label us by what we do, by how much money we make, by uh, our future potential. When we give up these expectations to get placed on us, we begin to identify and and put ourselves into our true identity as someone who is incredibly loved by God first. We find great relief. We find rest in that. Rest. This is number three, is often found by being vulnerable with somebody else. We can read a lot of books. We can uh, read articles. We can have millions of Facebook friends. And yet there is something about sitting across the table and sharing what's really going on in our hearts and our lives that's healing, that brings us rest rest to our souls, even Jesus himself, for us to really understand how much he loved us. He had to come in flesh. He had to come and be a real person and say hello and smile and cry and share a meal before we could really understand how incredibly he loved us. Number four, We need to remember that rest is slow. It's slow. We're always looking for that one pill, that one answer that can solve everything really quickly. We want to go on one vacation and have uh, our energy from our youth restored. But real rest, peace in our hearts doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. Rest is found a little bit every day by pushing out the guilt and giving ourselves the grace to experience the goodness of that day, the blessings God gives us that day. In other words, grace, uh, um, rest works a lot like manna did for the Israelites in the desert. Comes just the right amount and just small amounts to rejuvenate just for that day. No more, no less. Enjoying the laugh of a child, turning a long commute into a time of prayer, holding the hand of a loved one and thanking God for them are small moments that bring rest to our souls. Number five today. Above all, rest is found in God. Rest is found in God. That's what all of today has really been about. And I made sure to put that there because I want to make sure that this serves as a reminder. It serves as a reminder that being overwhelmed, that weight of panic we sometimes feel in our heart, in our chest, 
That overflowing calendar is not just a symptom of a society that loves to pack as much in as possible. It's not just a symptom of being busy, but it's often a symptom of a heart that is hurting. A heart that is hurting, it's often an indicator that we need less of what the world thinks and more of God himself. Let me pray for us today. God, there is not a person in this room who does not know the feeling of being tired. And even more than just kind of the physical the physical pieces of tiredness, God, we know what it's like to be depleted. To feel like we've used up not just our energy, but our creativity, our grace for ourselves, for others. And God, you make it clear to us in Scripture, in in John 10.10, like we read today, that you came that we might have life, not life like that, but life to its fullest. Read in Matthew chapter 11, when you had a, a crowd of people around you and you said, come to me. Come to me, you who are weary and heavy burdened. There are some people in this place. There are some people this morning who those words describe perfectly. They feel like they're carrying a weight more than they can handle. God, my prayer this morning is that they follow what else you say in those verses. That we come to you. That we stop trying to do it on our own, stop trying to carry it all on our own. That we come to you that we learn from you, like it says in verse 29. God, that we find some of these steps, some of these pieces that we could do this week to describe ourselves not as burdened, but at peace. Not as overwhelmed, but as rejuvenated in our heart and in our life and in our soul because of you, God. Help us to find that today. In your name we pray. Amen.